Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Petals and Pages podcast. Woo! I need more coffee. I feel like your energy is surpassing mine right now. My energy is super low and I want to drink regular coffee again, but I... Why I switched to espresso. I know, but I don't have an espresso machine. There are some out there that aren't horribly expensive that are still good. Yeah, but still more... You don't have to spend 10 grand on fancy one. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, those big fancy espresso machines at your local coffee shop are probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars yeah and that's like the quality that i want for myself i know honey i deserve it so that's why i need to write more books i know same i need to get on writing i've been really bad i've been bad this last couple weeks too but mostly Mm -hmm. because i've been very preoccupied and i've done writing i've done a lot of actual writing it's just for it's not very different things yeah, it's not on your projects. Exactly. It's just a different project. But yeah, yeah, I just haven't... Yeah, I've been, like, struggling with motivation, inspiration, and discipline. So, like, when I'm inspired and in it, and I'm motivated because I feel inspired, like, I'll go and I'll easily write 2,000 words or more. Yeah. But it's the showing up every day kind of thing that's killing me and then also like the first draft sucks it's always gonna suck especially when it's your first book or your first few short stories or whatever and just getting it down on paper anyways yeah i've been struggling with that like it's been hard it's been hard not gonna lie i feel you there like i don't know if you go through this but like i have very high expectations for myself yes um and yes. so I expect my first draft to be as good as my edited drafts. And obviously that's not going to be the case. No. But that doesn't stop me from like rewording a sentence like three or four times until it sounds exactly how I want it to sound. I know. I don't do that as much anymore, but I definitely did do that. And I've definitely already read through a little bit of my novel and redone it quite a bit but when I'm like inspired and all of that like I don't care as much because I'm like I'm just getting it down and these are great ideas and I'm so happy with it it's wonderful um even though I know it's garbage I'll fix it later um but yeah definitely like right now I'm in such a slump and I'm like every idea I have is trash I hate those moments. it's like getting down on myself getting really down when I shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Like, I have 10,000 words already. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. And it is. It really is. It is. It's a big accomplishment. It's like, yeah, I have an idea of how I want it to go. And then it's not, I don't know how to get from, I'm at, like, point C right now. Point C to point K. Like, I don't know. And I'm a little bit of a planter. So I don't like plotting out every last thing in my story because I like to see the characters grow and how things change and stuff like that. And sometimes what I originally planned was not great for how it's actually going. And if I plan something out and it doesn't go according to plan, I get very distressed. So I have loose plans. But 
being a complete right from the seat of my pants kind of person, I find too stressful and daunting. So I'm in the middle. I'm a planter. I'm a plotter and a pantser. I do the same thing. Like, I'll have my entire idea worked out. Mm -hmm. And I follow that for the most part. But when things change and doesn't go how I want it to, I'm totally okay with that. Because I can manipulate it to being whatever it's going to actually be. Because, like, when I'm inspired, it's just, like, the words flow right out of me. And Of course. Like, I feel like that's, like, the best work when I don't have to actually think about what I'm doing and it just, like, comes out of me. I feel like that's, like, the best work that I put down. And, like, it all makes sense. The characters really develop and form themselves. And, like, you get... It's a beautiful scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's great. But it's, like, I can't force myself to sit down and write. I have to really be in the mood for it. Yeah. But it's also, like, I get that and... I'm doing the exact same thing right now, so I'm one to talk. But yeah, something that I'm having issue with is I want this book done. I want to have it done so I can edit it and actually start making it good. I know. And that's just that's just the whole process to it, too, is... Mm-hmm. And I'm so guilty of this in every aspect of my life. I want to be at the end zone. I want to be yes. done whatever it is that I have to do. I want to be done. I don't want to have to think about it. Yeah. I just want to be able to soak in its glory but it's all about the process and the steps of getting there so Mm -hmm. and that's that's a huge part of why I have a lot of anxiety issues too because I'm never living in the present I'm never focusing in on where I'm at right now I'm always thinking about what it's going to be like to be in a place that I want to be or what it would be like if this and this and this happened and mm-hmm. it doesn't help me at all. And I know that. Yeah. I know it. I, I see it. I feel it. I experience it. But it doesn't stop me from wanting to be in a place that I'm not at right now. Yep. I totally feel that. Yeah. And like just struggling with the I'm not there and I want to be and I don't want to be patient. I know. Especially because like you have a very clear vision in your mind of what your book is and what it's gonna be and to not have that like a physical copy of that actual vision is so frustrating right because it takes so much actual work to get there and right it'll be worth it once you do it and you know that it has to be done but that doesn't stop you from being frustrated about having to do all the work it's like in a dream you know, when you have those dreams where you wake up out of bed, you start getting ready for the day and you're getting ready. And then all of a sudden you actually wake up in real life. And then you have to do the whole process of getting ready in the morning all over again. It's kind of like that dream where it's like everything is already done in your mind, but now you have to actually physically do it all over again. And that's infuriating. I know.
Yes, I totally get that. And it's like, in my brain, it's perfect. Like, in my brain, it makes sense. It's already there. It's a five-star bestseller New York Times novel. Right. But it's in my head. <laughs> I know, it's not on paper yet. <laughs> because, like, getting that story from your brain to the page is... Like working out a muscle it's like drawing and getting the muscle memory and practicing the techniques and all of these things yeah. and I hate that answer so much but it really is the answer and it's like that's partly why the first draft will suck and your early novels will not be as or they may be really good but they might not be quite as developed and complex and work of art e as later works um, and well, just because ideally you're growing and improving the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, but that's okay. I, I keep I was interrupting. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do that all the time. But it's okay. I know. Um, right? It's okay. We get too excited. Exactly. So you have to also think about how often we're told not to listen to our brains, and that mm -hmm. what we think and what we believe is not right because it has to be this other way it has to conform and fit in with whatever we're being taught or whatever thoughts we're being told to have so mm -hmm. actually being in tune with your brain and putting it out there is a difficult skill and it does take Hard. practice because yeah. we're not we're never really like allowed to have that creative freedom even in our own minds because mm -hmm. we're constantly being told this is what you should be thinking this is how you should be feeling this is how you actually do this it's not this way but it's also like art is vulnerable and writing is a form of art and being vulnerable is hard it's really really difficult so hard and i especially in the society we have today like being vulnerable is considered being weak Instead of, know when you're vulnerable, it opens you up to more. Yeah. Because when you're vulnerable, you're also being honest with yourself. Yeah. Usually. And it's hard to be honest with yourself. Oh my god. It's hard to be honest with other people, but it's even harder to be honest with yourself. <laughs> yeah. I love going around telling people that I'm a writer, which I am. I'm a writer because I write. It doesn't matter if I'm published or popular or whatever. I write. I'm a writer. But... This is something I've noticed in myself over the last many years is I've been saying I want to be a writer and exactly what I've been writing has changed over the years um, from like nonfiction, wine focused, uh, uh, alcohol, hospitality focused to sustainability to home study, slow living, seasonal living, all that kind of stuff um, now to more fantasy and fiction and that's a big shift as well but really i haven't been spending that much time actually writing because if i don't do it then i can never fail so relate to that right and even though like i'm technically failing because i'm not doing it but in my and this is a common thing in psychology like i studied it in university it's you ascribe 
not succeeding to not doing it versus you tried and then you actually failed. And it's a protective thing. It protects us. It's like when you're super anxious and uh, terrified of a test, you don't study. And then you get a bad mark. When you get the bad mark back, you can say, oh, it's because I studied, not because I'm not good at this. Yeah. And then that makes me start thinking of, well, why do I have to be good at it if I enjoy it? Yeah. Why am I comparing myself to other people instead of saying, well, how can I get better from past me, past Heather? Why do I have to be better than other people? Yeah. And like, that's so layered and complex. Right. There's not going to be a straightforward answer to that because <laughs> so many things feed into it. Like it's you oh, of course. being afraid of your own success and mm-hmm. afraid of your own failure, but also like you're comparing yourself because that's something that's kind of been ingrained in you through society, yes. through yes. growing up, through the school system. Yep. Like it's, yep. and then it's also like being self-conscious of what other people are thinking of you. And yep. like, there's just mm-hmm. way too many things that go into it that have been, yeah. we've been preyed upon for our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I grew up in a very competitive school system. So like I had low self-esteem and attached a lot of my self-esteem to my marks, but then Everyone around you wanted to know what your mark was because you needed to know how you did compared to your peers and you had to always do better than your peers. Yeah. So it's like failure wasn't an option. And like my parents didn't necessarily force that ideal on me. It was my school. Yeah. Um, See, mine. So that's something like as now a 32 year old woman, I am working through. I know. Thanks, public school. Mine was like the opposite. Like I was one of the few smart kids at my school. So a lot of mm-hmm. pressure was on me to always have like the right answer and to be getting the best grades and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I put a lot of that pressure on myself because I was comparing myself and mm-hmm. I was also looked up to as this very intelligent person. So those mm-hmm. expectations fell on me a lot more, even with like teachers and stuff too. And mm-hmm. if I wasn't getting the top grades in my class, if somebody else was better than me, then it was like a point of humiliation for me because that was the one thing that I had. Yeah. And like you said, just carrying that with you throughout your adulthood too is just ridiculous. Because like, I love seeing my peers being better versions of themselves, better versions, better than me. And yeah, I want them to succeed. I want everyone to succeed. Exactly. Like, there's no reason that I should be comparing myself to them because, and everybody too, like, you, you've told me this so many times too, because like, I have a lot of issues about like my appearance. Mm -hmm. And like, everybody's so busy being self-conscious of themselves that they're not watching you. They're not paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. They're not noticing your own faults in yourself, because everybody's just so worried and obsessed with their own insecurities. Yeah. And like, we're not comparing ourselves to other people. Well, we are, mm-hmm. but we're comparing ourselves in a negative light and we're putting everybody else in this this spotlight of brilliance and excellence and wonder. And, like, it's especially because writing brings out all of your insecurities. Yes. Because, like, you're when you're writing, you're letting other people into your brain. You're letting them into your thoughts and letting mm-hmm. them have a piece of you. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard because especially if you're writing about hard topics or 
experiences mm-hmm. that maybe you've been through and you can relate yeah. to the character a lot through these experiences or maybe it's something you've never actually been through but you can imagine how a character would take it um yeah but in all these situations like people are going to be judging you because they're going to be like is that something they actually went through like how effed up is mm-hmm. this person's mind for thinking of something like this like your creativity is always like right out there yeah. and it's there for people to like make their assumptions about anything well it's like you just look at what people say about like stephen king yeah he writes messed up stories is he himself completely messed up in the head i mean maybe a little bit because we all are but like probably not more than normal yeah he just has an active imagination and he's very practiced at imagining yeah really dark twisted bad sides of humanity yeah kind of stories and he's really good at it like i mean writer dream i want to be called a master by stephen king um (laughs) probably not gonna happen but come on like that would be sweet but yeah it's i lost my train of thought it's just hard to overcome those insecurities and yes it just it it's the self-work that you're willing to put in, the people around you who are willing to hold you accountable. It's... Mm-hmm. It's having a good support system and having it, the people who are in your support system being actually good at it. Yeah. Um, because you might have people that are hype folk and all they do is tell you it's amazing, it's great. Um, and I mean, there's a time and place for people like that, but you they don't necessarily get you to grow. Um, it's like having a guest man. That's what it is. Um, yeah. But then you also can't just have people who are downers around you. Mm-hmm. Like you need that secure, loving, trusting relationship. Yeah. Of like people who are willing to hype you when you're really down on yourself, but also being like, this does need to be better because you can do better. Yeah. And knowing when just to... Just having that faith in you. Yeah, knowing, knowing when to when do to that... Yeah, because yeah. like, and also like being able to turn one to thing, them. Well, it's one thing if like you're feeling really down, and this person can be really encouraging. But then you're all the way up, and somebody instead of like being excited with you and being happy with you, they yeah. push you down to try and ground yeah. you. Those people, I have no space for them in my life. But well, it's like I can get it if that person is always hyping up. And they need a little bit of grounding. But it's like, if once in a while they're really excited about something, just let them be excited about it. Yeah. Why do we have to hate everything? Why can't we just get excited about stuff anymore? I know. Like, I know. It's, it's like, I don't share... There are a few people that know the novel I'm working about and the basic premise. I don't share a lot of information about it. I have like one little tagline and that's what I tell people. And... A lot of people have been like, yes, I love it. Do it. I'm so excited to read this. And then there's like one person who was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, I'm not talking to you about this anymore. I, oh. In the middle of writing my novel, I need more hype people. that, Or at the first draft, I need hype people. That's what I need. And I can guarantee somebody with that kind of an opinion is going to be the first one to run around and tell everybody, I'm friends with this super famous author, Heather Doig. And, like, she told me about this before she even wrote it. So, like, I'm, like, one of the people that she, like, really trusts. Like, we're so close. <laughs> yeah. I see it. I see it now. Knowing this I person, see it already. I don't, 
I don't know if that would happen. Maybe not with I can see some other people from my past being like that. Like, oh, we're best friends. It's like, we haven't talked in 10 years. Stop it. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. uh, It's like, you gotta be careful who you share things with. Because it'll be demoralizing. And during a first draft, you don't need demoralizing. You need hype people. Exactly. Like, when editing comes around, be a little bit more demoralizing. (laughs) Just a little. Just light. Um, Because I'll cry. No, I won't. I probably will. <laughs> off screen. I'll cry. I'll cry. I'll probably cry, but off screen. I'll probably cry on screen. Um, too. <laughs> okay, I have a penchant for, or a penchant. I have a skill at making people cry because I say nice things about them. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I just made me cry do. quite a few times. I know, but not because I'm mean, but because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're amazing and you deserve more. <laughs> I, I do have a question and it's more for the readers out there. Um, but what really got you into writing and like, why do you want to write? That's a really hard question to ask. It's a big question. Or answer. It's a big question. I have a lot of stories going on in my head all the time and I can't keep track of them. And it just makes it easier when they're on a paper. I guess that's kind of why I write because otherwise my <laughs> brain is chaos it still is chaos but it's like when I've written it at least it's not in my brain anymore um like you can catalog it and put it away for later yeah I can't lose it like even sometimes I have ideas and I go and like screenshot things that remind me of them and if I don't go put it down and at least get like kind of an outline idea thing going I've lost it it's gone forever um so that's kind of the super Coles notes unsatisfying answer to why I write. But I guess it's like I write because what else would I do? Like, I love telling stories. I love reading. I love pre, like, even the books that I'm reading, I create these whole alternate scenes in my head when I'm not reading it. And like, I live as these characters outside of my brain, like, in my brain outside of the book. And why not? Why not put some of this in the, pa- like, pen to paper? Like, like why not use your creativity and put it down and out there? Yeah, like, why Why shouldn't I let myself be creative? Um, yeah, it's like, I've loved writing since I was really young. Um I always wrote horse stories when I was little, um, like girl, the chosen girl and her horse. Of course you did. I don't think any of them survived. I think they're gone, but that's fine. Um, and then I stopped for a while because of like terrible self-esteem and not ensuring that I'm like not vulnerable and that whole side of me is like impenetrable and being this whole like quote-unquote definition of success successful person yada 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 um that didn't actually align with my version of success and as I've gotten older I'm trying to reclaim some of that because I've missed out on so much time so much joy so much creativity and so much so many points of connection with other people that I'm never going to get those 15 to 20 years of my life back but at this point in time I can at least do better and if it's something I know I already regret and I'm not even that old but I know if I didn't at the end of my life it would be a huge point of regret if I 
didn't write. And it's just something in my soul, in my body, that calls to it. It's your passion. Yes. It's something I am deeply passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it's important to me. So, like, it's hard to say why you're passionate about something other than because I love it. Because if I didn't do it, it would be a huge point of regret because it calls to me, because it's important to me. I don't know. Like, how do you define why something's a passion to you? Like... It's really interesting because from a lot of what I know about some of, like, the top writers and, like, Mm -hmm. writers who are household names and stuff, and, Mm -hmm. like, from your and my experiences, too, is that a lot of authors have been writing since they were kids, and there's no Mm -hmm. real reason why. It's just something that they've Mm -hmm. always done and always felt interested in and were compelled to do for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, and... Mm -hmm. I think at one point or another, people come back to it, um, Mm -hmm. whether or not it takes off and, you know, you become some huge success is a different story Mm -hmm. because especially with writing and books and like how many books there are, it's really Mm -hmm. hard to get into and be super successful at, but it is Mm -hmm. something that a lot of people feel compelled towards and always seem to come back to and have started since they were young kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of things we're passionate about as children are actually things that we are passionate about as adults. It's just whether or not we let ourselves go back to it. Yeah, totally agree. It's just something that's often very special to you and it deserves to be special and you're allowed to enjoy it. And we often poo-poo a lot of interests that like teenagers have. They get so demoralized by adults and like it's just so mean that I think we kill a lot of passion before it really has a chance to bloom. It's true. It's true. I totally agree with that. How do you write, Kendall? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a story, but like you, I wrote a lot since I was a kid, but I stopped when I started having a lot of problems in my home life and Mm -hmm. I was no longer friends with the childhood friend that I would send back and forth chapters with so Mm -hmm. um, it was just a really tough time through adolescence and teenage years Mm -hmm. um, and through a majority of my adult life so far too so Mm -hmm. but I really got back and interested in it so Heather, you know this too, because when we were working, we had a customer who would come in who was just enamored with me. <laughs> he, you know, right? He loved me, and not in like a creepy romantic way. I think he just really liked your yeah. story and your perspective. Yeah, exactly. He he. Well, he was really enamored with Indigenous peoples. Is really what his yes. thing was, and yes. I fit the description. Maybe not perfectly. Uh, my mm-hmm. my personal identity with that is super complex and mm-hmm. hard to talk about sometimes. But he loved me because I was a young Native woman who was working at one of his favorite places to go. So mm-hmm. he was in the middle of writing a book, and he set a chapter aside, and he asked me if I'd give it a read because he wanted to just you know have me check it over, and make sure it was. 
he was being correct in his statements, that he was being mm-hmm. considerate for other cultures, and... He wanted you to sensitivity read. Yeah, and so I did, and um, mm-hmm. very last minute, like, on my break before I was going to see him again, I went down to our boss's office and just mm-hmm. wrote a response to him. And yeah. it was more like a short essay, <laughs> rather yeah. than just a oh, yeah, this was great, or what have you. But yeah. he was very surprised at how well-written I was. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he had a big part in encouraging me to actually get writing. So he took my essay and included it in his book, which is actually now published, which is really cool. You're a published and author, Kendall. Technically, technically I am. Technically. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So I'm in his book. And he also landed me an interview at the Globe and Mail, which mm-hmm. I wish I had taken a bit more seriously. Um, I was yes. just in a really bad place in my life. Like, yes. I, I didn't show up as professional as I should have been. I didn't have, like, professional clothes. I was very poor. I could not, yeah. I, I, like, just couldn't afford to get an actual yeah. decent-looking outfit. So, um yeah. I showed up a little bit lackluster, and yeah, so she told me to just send her any articles that I write and that they would probably include it, but I just, I never did, and part of that was just where I was at in my life. I was in a Mm -hmm. very bad living situation. Um, Yeah. I had a lot of problems with family, and my identity crisis I was going through from then until, like, the next three years after. Like, it was mm-hmm. it was just a really bad place in my life, so I didn't really, it didn't go anywhere. But years after is when Heather started working for a nonprofit, and so she encouraged me a lot to do some blog work for them. So I did maybe, like, three to five articles, not a whole lot, mm-hmm. but... Um, it got me back into the writing groove again. So mm-hmm. when that was happening, I was also working at my first office job and mm-hmm. I was showing them some of the articles that I was writing. So they also encouraged me to be part of this blog team. And mm-hmm. so I did quite a bit of writing for them as well. Um, and then after I stopped working, I went through another crisis moment. <laughs> I've had, like, Mm -hmm. five midlife crises. Like, it's it's not even... It's It's called a quarter-life crisis at this point. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I always have, like, a weird... That's a whole different story. Um, My weird relationship with, like, my personal timeline. But, um, yeah, so after so long, again, with Heather's encouragement, I started my own blog, um, which was about health and nutrition and all that fun stuff because it was stuff that I want to know and but I'm not a doctor I'm not a scientist I don't know these things very well I didn't go to school for these things so I'm a great researcher so I was I'm able to pick up on things and explain them in a way that is efficient or sufficient Mm -hmm. I should say at least Um, but it just wasn't a passion and you know as the year went on we got a lot more into reading, um, mm-hmm. and I got thinking of 
how I was as a child and trying to honor that kid in me that wasn't allowed to be a kid for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Even now, I still have a lot of problems with remembering my childhood. So it's, it's hard to pull back these memories. So I'm really trying to like turn things around and become back who I thought I would be and Mm -hmm. honor the person who was never allowed to be because now I can actually be that person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so in the past like year and a half, I've been on and off with starting different books and stuff because I have so many ideas and different plot lines and characters and arcs and whatnot, but there's always been a huge disconnect between my self-esteem and my motivation, and they kind of feed into each other, so it's been a lot of a struggle. But um, yeah, I had this idea that started back in like July that I've been really interested in and last month I started my book like I started the first couple chapters or the first chapter of it anyways and I've done my introduction but I've also been very consumed by other projects going on right now so I haven't done a whole lot of writing but it started and I do want to finish it writing for me it's always been something that came naturally Like, it's never anything I've had to really work towards. And, you know, when I was in public school and we'd have writing assignments, my teachers would always tell me that I had a very unique writing style. Mm -hmm. And um, the customer who came in, who put me in his book, he was very impressed with my writing. But it, it just kind of shows that people have always seen this in me and it's not anything that I've really considered. And it's not anything I was really encouraged about or noticed until fairly recently when I actually start to think about it Mm -hmm. but it's something that I want to harness and I want to use it more intentionally and thoughtfully than what I was doing Mm -hmm. so it's it's just kind of a way to honor what I think would have been if my adolescence and adulthood had been more normal yes so it's I think that's fair yeah well you're honoring the kid I'm honoring the kid in me and you know I I think I have good ideas (laughs) I mean time will tell I like your ideas I think they're interesting I hope that it'll come out in a good way is what it really comes down to that's what editing's for I know but even putting together the story like you can have the best editor in the world but if the story isn't put together well then it's just not gonna work hey positive affirmations work people who say they don't work just didn't try them hard long enough gave up and again it goes back to like the self-esteem and talking to yourself nicely is yes like it's so hard i'm like the first person to offer a self-depreciating joke (laughs) but i know and then i turned to you and i said if you were speaking to your best friend like this would they still be your friend and if the answer is no then you need to be nicer to yourself yeah i know i say that to a lot of people by the way because i mean a lot of people are the same way, though. Yeah. And that's, I, like, I the part that it, it really, it's it's hard for me to grasp because we always see people at their best. Like, everybody's putting on mm-hmm. some charade, trying mm-hmm. to pretend to be this ideal version of themselves, especially when they're out in public or on social media. Yeah. So yeah. when you're only seeing that version of them, you don't get to see the real, the raw, the hurt, and everything that goes into it. It makes it really hard to, like not empathize but understand people Mm -hmm. like 
Yeah, it's it's just there's a huge disconnect there, mm-hmm. and like to understand people are all going through these same problems, and mm-hmm. we just won't know. Mm-hmm. But that's why being vulnerable is important, so then people feel less alone. Yeah. And that's part of the beauty of books. We have all these different characters that we relate to and yeah. uh, see ourselves in. And it makes us feel less alone. It gives us a different viewpoint and different perspectives without having to interact with other people, which is excellent. Because <laughs> the introvert in me is like, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> really? So really? I read books. And it's... And that's part of it. Like, it gives you a new perspective on things and different situations Mm -hmm. and what's going on. And, like, that's how I'm writing my main character right now. Like, there's all this stuff going around her and she's interpreting these things that are going on a specific way. But if you actually look at the situation versus her interpretation of it, there's enough clues in every situation to be like, she's misinterpreting. She's missing something. Because, yeah. It, there's just so much going on internally that she's missing it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like how I used to be and am sometimes, but... But I think, like, that kind of representation is also super important. Like, mm-hmm. representation of all kinds is so important, but, like, when right? you're blindly looking at the world through... And it's, and it's especially when you're looking at it through your own personal lens and you're not taking into mm-hmm. consideration, you know, the overview that everybody is looking through Mm -hmm. like it's super easy Mm -hmm. to feel that isolation and Mm -hmm. to feel that you know lack of confidence and those issues with self-esteem yeah we got heavy we were talking about writing and we got heavy but hey this is writing this is writing and character building and figuring out your voice as a writer it's hard it sucks there's a lot of internal stuff that goes on and like it's not even just the internal stuff but like I don't know if you get this too, but I have a lot of fears about, like, what if I come super successful? Like, I have a whole different range of fears for that happening. And again, that's my problem where I'm not living in the moment. I'm living yeah. in the future. I'm living yeah. in potentially, um, well, not even potentially, an unpredictable future where I can't possibly know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not in the present where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I really do. And then there's like the imposter syndrome where it's like oh, yes. you feel like you just don't belong. Like who am I to go and write a story? Like who am I to expect and people to want to read something that I wrote? Like Well, that's where I'm like, well, who am I writing for? I'm writing for myself and really I'm writing for Peter. So he wants to read everything I write. Oh, and I guess you too. Thank you. Thank you. Um and maybe Junebug when she gets old enough to read this stuff. But or she will. Yeah. But it's like, as long as you all care, that's who I'm writing for. If you're happy with it and it touches you and and I'm happy with it, that's all that matters to me in the end. I would like it published because I'd like to share. I'd like that again, that point of connection. And even if it's like a kind of weird passive connection that people have with books and authors and stuff like that. It's like, that's where I try to focus. It's, I'm not thinking about getting published. I'm not thinking about getting an agent or finding a publishing house or whether I'm self-publishing or anything like that. I'm working on getting the metaphorical pen on paper so then I can write this story for us. 
Yeah. And again, that's where, like, I'm not living in the moment. I'm living in the future. No, you're not. <laughs> it's, that's, like, the root of all my problems. Well, that's when you have to come up with some kind of mantra that helps bring you back. Well, that's where, like, so I was doing really well for that one week mm-hmm. that I actually did some writing, but... Then I got super busy and like I am now having a hard time fitting it into my schedule and routine, at least for now, possibly even more so in the future. But yeah, it'll get done. I mean, even if you do 100 words a day, like 50 words a day, one sentence. I know, but then it's like finding a time when I'm in the mood to do it too. Because like we're at from the, like the beginning of the episode, I was like, I struggle with motivation, inspiration, and discipline because motivation and inspiration are fleeting. Discipline is what gets you through. Yeah. If you only and wait for motivation or inspiration, you're going to be working on this same book in ten years. I don't think I have that problem. Not not necessarily. Like, because what I'm focused on it is when I'll have that ongoing motivation to do it and after so long motivation is fleeting after so long I'll be able to just get into that rhythm of like this is just what I do I wake up and I go to my computer and write like mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that it's just like right now with my schedule and it's not mm-hmm. at the forefront of my mind anymore because I'm working on mm-hmm. this other thing so it's mm-hmm. it's just fallen out of the priority list so fitting it into my routine and trying to keep Mm -hmm. it in my schedule while it's not in my mind is where it's Mm -hmm. hard and it's like when I I get get back to it and have the time to like actually think about it and do it it'll be fine I'm not worried about that but but just like while my mind is so preoccupied is where I'm having a problem because like I think through the way I know you want them to I don't see that happening for a few years at least like, your schedule is going to be chock full from the minute you wake up until you pass out at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too concerned about it. I have, I have a pretty good balance going on um, and a good idea of what to expect. But, yeah, like, I, I think it'll be fine. It might be a little bit slower and farther between, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be fine mm-hmm. at the same time. But it's like realistically today if I wanted to I could go and start writing but it's not mm. in my mind because I'm so preoccupied with these other thoughts on these other things so yes. it's like it's hard to because if I'm not in the mood for it I'm not going to do a good job if I force myself to do it even if I'm not feeling motivated or inspired or any particular mm-hmm. feelings about doing it then it's going to come out forced and it's going to be really bad and, uh, and mm-hmm. I I want to do this book justice. I want to do the idea justice. I want to do the characters justice. That's fair. Um, I think we're getting tired too. This is our second recording. I of think the day. so. <laughs> yeah. So go on our merry ways. Yeah. Get some reading in. Maybe some writing. Maybe today. Maybe this episode is your call to at least go touch your whip. Work in progress. No. <laughs> Just go look at it. You don't have to write. Just look at it. Okay. I'll look at it. I'll look at it. Okay. I can do that. Uh- and that's what I mean by like touch it. It's like you don't have to write anything. You don't have to do anything. Like if you get 10 words in, that's amazing. But it's like just keeping it in your brain is really important. And it'll help speed up when you are ready to go back and keep writing. It'll help speed up that like weird, awkward getting back into it phase. Yeah, that's fair. And I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Petals and Pages. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your fellow bookworms, leave a review, and hit that subscribe button. And if you feel like lending an extra bit of support, please check us out on Patreon. Links will be in the show notes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Petals and Pages Pod. Until next time, keep turning those pages, exploring new worlds, and embracing the beauty of words. This is Petals and Pages signing off. See you next time.